Amen. Thank you, Brother Clinton. God bless you. Well, good morning and welcome to you. I hope that you indeed have had a wonderful week enjoying the beautiful weather that we're receiving, a taste of spring. And just before we get into the message, I do want to let you know that this coming Friday, Friday evening, which is Friday, April 21st, we're going to be having a special time of prayer here in the sanctuary from 7 to 10 p.m. And I want to invite you to come and to join us. It will be a different kind of prayer meeting. And what I mean by that is oftentimes when we go to God, it's almost like this grocery list where we're asking God to do this and do that and, and do all of these things for us. But this specific time of prayer on Friday night, we are going to be focusing on how awesome and holy and glorious God is. We're going to be worshiping him and praising him, thanking him for who we are. And I truly believe when we take our focus off of our problems and put them on how awesome and how big God is, that's how battles are won. And so come and join us Friday evening, April 21st from 7 to 10 p.m. here at the church. And come comfortable because we're going to be sitting in God's presence praying, hearing from God, listening to what he has to say. If you want to bring a notepad, a pen to write down whatever you feel God's speaking to you about, you just come prepared to just sit in God's presence and to worship him. All right? Well, the title of my sermon today is called, Whose Table Are You Sitting At? Whose Table Are You Sitting At? If you have your Bible, would you turn to 2 Samuel chapter 9? And if you are able to, would you please stand as we read God's word? 2 Samuel chapter 9, starting at verse 1. It says, one day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba, the king asked? Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's son is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Machir, son of Amil. So David sent for him and brought him from Machir's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. 
you and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him and to produce food for your, from your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ziba replied, yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant, and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table, like one of the king's own sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. From then on, all of the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Truly, for this opportunity to be able to worship together and to hear your word. And we pray that, Lord, you would open up our minds and our hearts to hear from you. May you speak to us through this passage of scripture, through what we can learn from this. And we just pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would speak and that you would have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. David was the king of Israel, a promise that God had made to him from when he was a little boy, and it now had been fulfilled. He was now the king over Israel. God had anointed him through his prophet to be able to be in line to be the next king. He was now in a position where he was able to show kindness, where he was able to bless, where he was able to do for others what they probably weren't able to do for themselves. So he asked if there were any living relatives that Saul had that he would be able to show kindness to for his friend Jonathan's sake. Jonathan was the son of Saul, who was the previous king, and was also David's best friend. So David intended to show kindness to them, to show kindness because the Lord had blessed David so much that he was now in a position that he was able to bless others. You see, my friends, in our everyday life, we can be intentional to look for ways to show kindness and be a blessing to others. We can intentionally look for ways, and there are so many ways in our everyday life when we go about that we can simply be a kind person, where we can be a blessing. And listen, it doesn't take a lot Sometimes we think that it has to be a grand gesture, that it has to be something huge, but kindness is simply an act of love. The Bible tells us that love is patient, love is kind. In our everyday life, there are opportunities all around us to show kindness, simply by holding the door open for the next person behind you. Simply by giving up your seat to an elderly or pregnant woman on the subway or the train. You can smile at someone passing by and just say hi to them. That is showing kindness. 
showing kindness could be holding the elevator open for someone who is on their way instead of closing it and letting them have to wait for the next elevator. Showing kindness could be paying for someone's coffee in the drive-thru who ordered behind you. Showing kindness could be sharing your lunch with someone who doesn't have any or who has forgotten theirs. You see, showing kindness doesn't have to be a big, grand gesture, but there are ways around us every single day, and we have the opportunity to show love kindness and to be a blessing to others. David was looking for a way that he could show kindness, that he could be a blessing. And in the same way, we need to look for ways in our life where we can show kindness and we can be a blessing as well to others around us. So a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants, said to David that Jonathan's son is still alive. One of Jonathan's son is still alive. So David sent for this son named Mephibosheth, and he brought him in. When Mephibosheth came in and he was brought in, his body language was of great respect for David. Now, I want you to understand something, okay? Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan, and the grandson of King Saul, okay? So in him coming in to meet David, he could have come in very angry and upset. You know why? He could have come in feeling, you have taken all of the land, the palace, the treasures, the servants that once belonged to my grandfather and my father, right? You have taken everything that should have been passed on to me. But he didn't show that kind of um, emotion. He also could have been very rude and disrespectful to David because he should have been the next one in line for the throne, Who was David that he just came in and was crowned and anointed king, but Mephibosheth would have been the next in line because he was a descendant of King Saul. But Mephibosheth came in very differently than how one would probably have expected him to react. In verse 6, it says, When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth said, I am your servant. In bowing low to the ground, some commentators often say that it was probably falling prostrate before David, showing such deep respect and honor for David. And the fact that he didn't just come in showing respect, but saying to him, I am your servant, meant that he not only respected David, but he respected his position as king. He respected David's position of authority over him and over Israel. You see, despite all the factors that could have been against David, that could have been against Mephibosheth, he still desired to show David the honor and the respect he deserved as king. 
In the same way, in our everyday life, we must strive to respect the position of authority that a person is in. To respect a person's position of authority, respect the position that they have been placed in. Now, I want you to understand this point. As a leader myself, I know that leaders are constantly criticized. That, and you know this is true, okay? We're talking real now. Leaders are constantly criticized regardless of who they are. Because we are in the spotlight, because we are up front, because what we do is very public, everything can be scrutinized and can be criticized. But regardless of a person's position, it is important that we learn to respect the position and authority that they have and that they are in. The reality is that no matter who they are, leaders are often criticized, talked about, slighted, and sometimes even disrespected. And that's the reality. Even Jesus himself, as a leader, experienced all of that. People often may think that if I was in that position, I could do a better job. And maybe that's true, right? Maybe that might be true. But chances are people don't understand the amount of work, the amount of stress, the amount of sacrifice, the amount of problems, the amount of things that a person in that position has to deal with behind the scenes. And it is important that instead of criticizing without finding a solution, listen, we as leaders should always be open to feedback right? We should always, that's how we grow. That's how we get better. That's how we improve. But what I'm talking about is simply just gossiping about someone, simply just tearing them down or talking about them without offering to help or to offer a solution to what's happening. Because that is constructive criticism, right? It's constructive because you're offering to help. You're offering a solution to the problem that you see. And so it's important that instead of just finding fault and criticizing without a solution, that we learn to encourage, that we learn to pray, that we learn to give guidance and advice, and we are willing to help them to become better leaders. Amen? We need to learn to respect our boss or our manager, someone who is in a position of authority over us, you need to respect your boss or your manager at work. You may not always agree with what they have to say. You may not always agree with the things that they do, but you need to learn to respect them and to respect the position that they are in. Pastor Nick is my boss. I don't always, always see eye to eye with everything that he says or he, uh, he thinks. But at the same time, he is in a position that I need to learn to respect even if I don't agree. A person 
who is a parent or a guardian is in a position of authority over someone. We need to respect our parents, to respect our guardians. We may not agree with what they say. We may not agree with how they have raised us or their mentality about things, but the Bible tells us to honor our mother and our father, to respect that position of authority that they are in. We need to respect our teachers and our professors, to respect the authority that they have. We need to learn to respect the police and government officials. We need to follow the laws of this land. We need to pray for them and help to to, um, encourage them. We need to respect our pastors and spiritual leaders in the spiritual authority that they and we have. It is very important, my friends, to respect the position of authority that a person is in. Mephibosheth knew that he needed to respect David's position, and he did. He came in willing to serve. His attitude was not one of resentment, not one of just being angry and against him, but his attitude showed respect for David's position, and he said, I am your servant, ready and willing to serve and to help. Mephibosheth respected David's position. David assured him that he didn't need to be afraid. He told him, don't be afraid. He didn't need to be afraid because the reason that David had summoned him, in verse 7, he says, I intended to show kindness to you because of the promise I've made to your father, Jonathan. I intend to show you kindness because of the promise I made to your father, Jonathan. So you may be wondering, what promise is he talking about? What promise is he referencing? Well, in 1 Samuel chapter 19, we read about how King Saul tried to kill David. King Saul was upset and afraid that David would try to take his position, and he was trying to kill him. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 20, the next chapter over, we see how King Saul's son, Jonathan, right, helped David to escape from his father so that he would not be killed, so that his life would be spared. David and Jonathan were good friends. We could even say they were best friends. And before leaving, Jonathan asked David to make him a promise. In 1 Samuel 20, verses 14 and 15, Jonathan says, And may you treat me with the faithful love of the Lord as long as I live. But if I die, treat my family with this faithful love, even when the Lord destroys all of your enemies from the face of the earth. So basically, Jonathan was asking David to promise him not only to love him and to treat him with love and kindness, but to promise to treat his children kindly in the future when he's gone. He asked him to keep that promise, to watch out for my children, to treat them well, to to make sure that they're taken care of. And now that David was in this position of being king, now that he was in such a high position, 
He didn't forget the promise that he made. In fact, he was now able to better keep that promise to Jonathan. My friends, it is important for us not to forget about the promises that we make to others and to the Lord. Don't forget about the promises that you have made to others and the promises that you have made to the Lord. Be sure that if you make a promise, you intend to keep it. If you promise someone that you're going to help with something, do your best to keep your promise. If you promise someone that you are going to volunteer in a certain area of ministry or volunteer for something, do your best to keep your promise. If you make a promise to repay someone who has lent you something, do your best to keep your promise to repay them and to not just change your phone number or block their number or move away or forget that you owe them. Do your best. You know what I'm talking about. Do your best to keep your promise. If you make a promise in sickness and in health for richer or for poor,